Let's prepare our hearts for the read and the spoken word by asking a blessing. Heavenly Father, this morning we ask that you will open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears, our minds to see, to listen to what you have to say to us this morning through your servant, Chris, that we may take it from here, Lord, and live it out. We pray this in the strong name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 65. And you can find this if you wish to follow along in your pew Bibles, page 900. Psalm 65. Praise awaits you, O God in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. O you who hear prayer, to you all men will come. When we, were o- when we were overwhelmed by sin, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answered us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God our Savior, the hopes of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. Those living far away fear your wonders. When morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This psalm is one of anticipation as God's people come to the temple to worship God in Jerusalem. And it has the context at the beginning of of vows fulfilled, but not necessarily easily fulfilled. It's a people who are coming before God and saying, it's been a long road, but we have seen your faithfulness. It really is a a psalm that sits on on the end of a journey. And it's fitting as well for this time of year. Many of you are wrapping up school this week. If you are done school in the next week or so, raise your hand. There's a whole lot of teachers, yeah, (laughs) and lots of kids. It's coming up, yeah. Some homeschool parents too. It is coming to that space, that time of year where we wrap up and we go, oh, it's done. A few of you are graduating and you have a very different sigh of relief right now too, as well as a beginning 
And we're entering into a summer season where many of us will be traveling. Many of us, I know next week, there's a whole group that goes camping. Uh, and, and that season begins and we enter into a, a, a different pace together. This psalm kind of bridges us into that season as well. And so this morning we want to we slow down. How do, we, how do we maintain this faithfulness that we have been called to? How do we fulfill our vows, as it were, to remain faithful to the Lord as we enter this new season? Anybody know what this is, this picture? Anyone want to guess? Asher. Part of the galaxy. It's actually a whole bunch of galaxies. This was released in 2012. It is from the Hubble Telescope, and it's called an extreme deep field picture. I'm probably not saying that technically right, but this is if you took a tennis ball at 100 meter distance from you and held it up into the sky, this is what would be contained within the area you can't see behind that tennis ball. One something like 32 millionth. Do you know what it is, Edward? It's, it's way up there. It, it's something like one thirty-two millionth of the total sky space that we can see. And that's what's in it. And there are tens of thousands of galaxies contained within this little space. And, and inside that space, each of those galaxies have thousands of stars. Some of them, they say, probably hundreds of thousands of stars in those galaxies. And inside of that, they have planets and suns and all sorts of stuff. Like, it is, it is mind-boggling, the enormity of it, basically with a little thumb dot up in the sky. <laughs> and God has created all of this. This is going the other direction. This is someone taking an ice crystal and putting it under a microscope. And it's amazing when you look at it to see the intricacies of design and the, the, how it all fits together and, and these pieces and, and even the blue tint color that's in it. You begin to marvel and wonder at, at the creativity of a God who creates not just these vast universe, this vast universe and galaxies, but, but also these small little details that on a normal day we can't see without the help of some instrument. This one we can see. This was me taking a walk uh, and one of our late snow days this spring and I was walking um, by the Iroquois tra Trail and just saw this little pine cone sitting underneath a tree and it caught my attention and I stood there for a few minutes partly because it was getting me out of the heavy snow at the moment but partly because I was just amazed at this tiny tiny uh, pine cone and that pine cone to give you some scale was no bigger than the top half of my thumb and just sat there and I saw how all those details of how it's wrapped together uh, came out this is one of my favorite places in the world. This is at Hoffmaster State Park. I know I'm doing a little show and tell, and we normally like those things at the end of summer, but every summer we go to Hoffmaster State Park in Michigan. And looking out over Lake Michigan, and I probably have somewhere near 50 or 60 different pictures of sunsets, um, many of them from that same spot. Uh, 
you see the branches change from year to year, but it is some place that I feel um, very at home and very calm uh, when I get to. Uh, it's my happy place, as they say. This was on the door of our church a couple years ago. Anybody remember this? Mora, yeah. Yeah, a few people remember this. We came out of church, out of worship one morning, and a bunch of the kids said, Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris, come here. And so I went outside with them, and this moth was sitting there. And it stayed there, even though all sorts of people were coming up to look at it. Thankfully, nobody touched it, but we were looking at it and checking it out, and it stayed there with its wings wide spread open, and we marveled together at God's beauty that had landed at our doorstep, literally. Article 2 of the Belgic Confession says this, the means by which we know God. We know God by two means. First, by the creation, preservation, and government of the universe. Since that universe is before our eyes like a beautiful book in which all creatures, great and small, are as letters to make us ponder the invisible things of God, God's eternal power and divinity, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1.20, all these things are enough to convict humans and to leave them without excuse. Second, God makes himself known to us more clearly by his holy and divine word, as much as we need in this life for God's glory and for our salvation. We have an invitation in this Belgic Confession, which is a, a document written uh, in the 16th century. And it, it was designed to say, how do we get to know God? And this article in it is saying there's two ways we come to know God. One is because God reveals himself in creation. And the second is God reveals himself in his word. If you were listening carefully earlier in the service, Psalm 19 plays right into that type of theme. It begins with the psalmist marveling at God's creation and how God has knit the whole universe together. And then it weaves into a reflection on God's word and the gift of God's word saying it's sweeter than honey. It's good for the soul. It opens us up. And in this context of reflecting on creation and, and God's revelation in Scripture, the psalmist comes to a place of saying, Lord, forgive my hidden sins. In many ways, he reflects what Job goes through at the end of Job. Job, if you have read, read that book in the Bible, Job, Job goes through this horrendous experience and ex encounters all sorts of suffering. And in the midst of that suffering, his friends try to explain why the suffering's happening. And, and as he comes to the end of it, God speaks to Job. And God appeals to creation and says, Job, look at creation. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I hold in the palm of my hand. Be at peace. Even in the midst of your suffering, even in the midst of not understanding, be at peace because I am the one who cares for all of this. Be still. Psalm 46 does a similar thing. It talks about the, the mountain shaking and, and the seas being uprising. And in the midst of that context, God's speaking to his people and saying to them, be still. And know that I am God. 
Even when creation feels like it's in a tumult, and even when the nations seem to be in uproar, when, when things are not going the way we anticipated them to go, and it seems like the whole world is crumbling under our feet, God speaks this word of peace. I hold all of creation in my hands. Therefore, be still. Do not fear. Since that universe is before our eyes like a beautiful book in which all creatures, great and small, are as letters to make us ponder the invisible things of God, God's eternal power and divinity. When's the last time you just sat outside? Not to mow the yard, not to, not to get a project done, not to get from point A to point B, but you actually just went outside and sat. We're being invited to ponder the things of God, to ponder who God is by looking at creation, by slowing down enough in our busy lives, in our full lives, by slowing down enough that we can actually see what God is doing and what, hear what God is saying to us by paying attention to creation. Remember one of the times I did this, I, I went over to Tiffany Falls. People know where Tiffany Falls is? It's just, it's only a, a few kilometers away here. And it's a short trail off of Wilson Ave back into Tiffany Falls, maybe half a kilometer or so. But you turn around a bend as you come up in there and, and suddenly you can't hear the traffic on Wilson Ave. It's a beautiful experience as you turn the corner. And one of the times as I was back there, I, I was struck by all these broken rocks at the bottom of the riverbed. And that somehow these rocks have been part of God's creation for much, much longer than I've been alive. They've been here thousands of years, and the geologists who study this area tell us that those broken rocks have been there since the Ice Age. And I began to marvel and I began to marvel at how trees grow up inside of those broken rocks. And that those trees are able to grow in a, a terrain that seems unfriendly for it. And not just grow, but along the Niagara Escarpment, there are trees that are 800 and 900 years old that have been clinging to the side of the escarpment and growing up in that space. And I began to go, wow, if God's cared for this tree that most of us never see, how much more is God caring for us? You remember that appeal Jesus makes? He says, birds, those little birds are sold for a couple pennies. How much more does God the Father care for you? The fields that are full of flowers up in the mountainside that people will never see if God dresses them so lavishly that Solomon, even in all his wealth and splendor, couldn't be dressed as beautifully as them. How much more does God care for you? By taking that time, by accepting that invitation, simply to go outside and be still and marvel and wonder, we tune our hearts to listen to God, to what he's saying to us. If you've been watching the news, we had a, a Supreme Court decision this week. And it's rocked the, the kind of frame of reference for a lot of people here in Canada who are saying, how is it that the Supreme Court can make this decision that, that binds religion rather than celebrates the freedom of religion? 
what's going on. That, that's something that happens elsewhere, not here, but it's happened here. And we find ourselves all caught up in knots. I read several people commenting about how frustrated and angry and, and in disbelief they have been this week. And you may be sharing in some of those emotions. And yet in that context, what God speaks to us is, I hold all of creation in my hands. Not even kings or Supreme Court justices or prime ministers or anybody else can take that away. The psalm begins to point us in that direction as well, and it does so in three movements. It says first, you are the God who forgives our sins. In other words, I'm the ultimate judge, and as the ultimate judge, I've got you. That's what we remember as we gather to worship, that that God who is the ultimate judge, instead of condemning us, sent his son to die on the cross for us. To, to step into our place to take the punishment that was ours upon himself so that we might be reconciled to God. And in the midst of this long journey that God's people have been on, they come to a place where they hear God's word of grace. I am the God who forgives you. And the psalmist says, when the world seems topsy-turvy, remember who is the ultimate judge of the earth and that that judge is bent towards love and grace and forgiveness. And from that posture of grace and forgiveness, uh, the psalmist says, God is the one who calms chaos throughout creation. Uh, Let me read verse 7 a minute. He is the one who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. Seems kind of odd to talk about the roaring of the seas and the turmoil of the nations hand in hand. One of the things that we miss because we're so many centuries removed is that the people of that time when the psalm was written believed that the sea was the source of all chaos in the world. That all things that went wrong in the world originated somehow out of the seas. They actually, in the Hebrew, their word for sea was also the word for the god of chaos. Yam, yam, it looks, it's spelled like yam. So when I eat yams, which I really don't, I see yams, I go, oh, it brings back that association. It's connected in, that sense of chaos that grows out of the sea, things that were so powerful that destroyed ships and and shipping lanes that seemed to wreak havoc upon the shores. That was the place that God entered in, and he calms it. And if God can calm the source of the chaos in the sea, then God certainly can calm the turmoil of the nations. And then the psalmist points to one other thing. Not only is is the God we worship one who calms the seas and the chaos, but he's one who takes lavish care of creation itself. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. 
The meadows are covered with flax, and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. You don't get that by driving on the expressway down the 403. You get that by pulling off and sitting down and sitting not just for a minute or two, but, but soaking in creation and being still. And you begin to see the lavish generosity of our God. Not only in forgiving us our sins, which we hear about in God's word, but, but in placing us in this wonderful, splendid creation. And in fact, the psalmist ends with, creation is singing. And it's inviting us to step into that song and add our voices to say as well, yes, God calms the chaos that I find within me. God calms the chaos in the world around me. God takes care of me lavishly and generously. The God who holds the universe in his hands and the God who holds the ice crystals in his hands is the same God who is watching over us. And he is good and he is faithful and he is lavishly generous. So as we wrap up the school year for many of us and as we enter into a summer season, I invite us all to take the time to go and find a space in creation to sit and ponder these invisible things of God, of the God who cares for us enough to send his only son, of a God who cares for us to place us in this incredible creation and a God who cares for us enough to continue to revealing himself to us in both scripture and in the world around us. Let's pray.